Welcome to the How to Win Podcast. I'm Kirk Davis. And I'm Rick Gregory. Want to know how to win in life and in your finances? Then you're in the right place. On this podcast, we'll be talking about everyday topics and how they relate to your overall financial picture. So on today's topic, we wanted to talk about budgeting and how it relates to all the hobbies and activities that we do in the springtime and the summer here. So for me, my biggest thing in the spring, and I'm not going to lie, it's a full 100% all year round activity, even if it's in the 30s, as long as there's no snow on the ground, is golf. What about you, Rick? Well, I like to golf, but I'm not nearly as good as you are, so I try to spend a little more time with a shotgun in my hand. I shoot clay targets, and I'm a little better at that than I am golf, but also I like to go to the lake and fish, and I fish in some bass tournaments, so I think probably I'll let you stick with the golf, and I'll stick with the other stuff, and we'll fit all of that into our budgets somehow. Yep. Now, the shotgun and shooting is pretty interesting. Now, when I was a kid, we used to travel around the country going to all these different shooting tournaments, and I would hate to see my parents' budget from back then, but do you just shoot local, or do you travel a lot? No, so I'm getting ready to go to Tucson, Arizona, as we're recording this, to shoot in the Sporting Clays U.S. Open, and it definitely has to be fit into a budget because it is not a cheap sport. Shotguns cost a lot, but that's just an initial investment. But if you knew how much shotgun shells and going to Tucson, Arizona and staying in a hotel and doing the things that you like going out to eat, you definitely need to have a budget for this. Yeah, I think a budget's important for anything, any time of life. But yeah, especially any kind of high dollar things, definitely need to add that to the budget somehow. So the U.S. Open, that's interesting. I'm going to the not quite the US Open but I'm doing the US Open qualifier the local qualifier here in the middle of May about a month from now so I've been practicing up quite a bit for for that so when you get ready for one of these tournaments do you sit down and figure out okay I need to hit this many balls and I need to play this many rounds before I go there and how much is it going to cost me or do you just go out there and just wing it well, on the practice side, I wing it a little bit more, but with some strategy behind it too. So every time I play golf, I track every shot that I hit. And there's a really cool app called Golf Metrics that lets you know from a, what they call a strokes gained perspective, how well you're doing in different categories. And that kind of directs my practice a little bit. But from the budgeting side and how much it's going to cost, I try to plan out my full tournament schedule pretty early in the year, and I like to factor that into my budget. I don't just wing it there, because I know inevitably if I do that, I'm definitely going to come out in the hole and probably with a lot of credit card debt. So being a financial advisor, that wouldn't be a good look. So I have to be a little bit more responsible and try to factor that in. What about you? you? Do you wing it? I know you're in a different stage of life than me, but do you still budget, and how do you fit that stuff into your budget? Yeah, so obviously I'm retired, and I do. So I started planning my trips like three months ago. And I know what the entry fees are. I know how much it costs. I have an idea how much travel costs. And I'm going to go to two big shoots this year. So I figured that out three months ago. I said, okay, here's how much money I'd like to spend. What can I do? So I decided I was going to go to this U.S. Open in Tucson, a place I'd never been. And I'm going to the Sporting Clays Regional in Georgia, uh, the end of May, 1st of June, and it's a regional, it's a big shoot also, and I plan for it also the same way. And 
there's six of those big shoots every year, but basically I'm retired kind of on, I'm not on a fixed income, but obviously I have to watch what I'm doing. So my budget gets figured out really early on those things. So when you say you, you figure out your budget, is that something that you're kind of have a line item in every month for that you're consistently saving up throughout the year? So when it's time to start paying entry fees, there's a separate account of all that, that cash, or do you just say, hey, you know, I know what the entry fees are going to be. So in the several months surrounding it, you just make cutbacks in different areas. So I basically save up for mine. I think, okay, I'd like to go out there and have all of mine paid for and not have to worry about it. That way, if something else happens and comes up in between, it doesn't affect my planning for my shoots. Obviously, I think it happened. You can have a transmission go out in your car or something like that, and that would really blow your budget all to heck. So I try to take and pay for everything I can, except for the incidentals. Get my hotel paid for, my entry fees paid, have all that done, and I say, okay, this is the pile of money I've got for that. These two shoots is what that pile of money is going for. Then I'm good. I don't have to worry. Now, how do you do that as far as your golf tournaments? So I do it a little bit differently. I know if I try to save up entry fees and hotel expenses and gas money throughout the year and I start seeing that money sit in a savings account that's earmarked for golf, inevitably I'm going to buy a new set of irons or a new driver at some point and blow the budget. So I like to take the approach of uh, just kind of cut back in different areas of my life around the time of the tournament or at least two months or so that's the tournament season there. That way I'm still keeping on track and really doesn't impact the rest of my life outside of that. So maybe that's we go out to eat a little bit less during the tournament season or when we're factoring our spring vacation, we go on a, a backpacking trip that's pretty low cost instead of a, instead of a cruise that's going to cost a couple thousand dollars. And just little things like that, just redirecting where the dollars go is how I like to do it. So one thing that I do is probably different than yours because I'm already retired. I don't have to worry about making any deposits into my 401k or retirement fund or 529 because I'm past all that. So I know obviously you don't have any kids yet, but you're still building a retirement savings. So how do we need to figure out the proper strategy for figuring out you and I spending money on our hobbies, which everybody else has different hobbies. You're going to go to the lake, you're going to go camp, and you're going to go to the beach or whatever. How do we work that into our strategy for our 401k, retirement accounts, or our kids a 529 for college? Do we put a budget out there for those, or do we just wing it on those? Well, I don't think winging it's ever necessarily the perfect answer. Um, but personally, when, when I'm factoring in my retirement savings, it doesn't go on the line item on the budget. And that's going to sound crazy, but I know if it's a line item on the budget, it's somewhere that can be something that can be manipulated or cut if needed. And I don't want that to ever happen to my retirement savings. So I try to automate everything I can through payroll deductions to go into like the 401k or as soon as it hits the account, money's drafted for Roth IRAs or eventually whenever we have kids, 529s, that sort of thing. And what I'm actually budgeting off of is going to be the net from everything after retirement and those savings goals are, are taken out. That way I know that worst case scenario, I'm hitting those long-term goals. And if there's an interruption to my income or my wife's income for some reason, it affects today, but it doesn't affect 20, 30 years from now. 
Okay, so in the retirement strategy then, basically you want to make sure that that money comes out of your paycheck no matter what happens. Exactly. It's a withdrawal, whatever, it comes out of there, and you don't, that way you never have to worry about it. All right, so now, what about people that do have to worry about it? Say that they say, well, I'm putting 10% in on my check, every paycheck to retirement. Is it okay to change that to do something fun? Can you still stay on track is what I'm saying. Everybody's going to say, no, 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 don't stop your savings for your retirement or 529 for your kids or never stop that. Well, maybe you plan that into your budget. So is it okay or should you never change that? So never say never. So I have a I have a, an amount of money or a percentage of my income that I want to go into retirement savings and just general savings every year. Mechanically, how it gets in there, I'm not as concerned about. So let's say, for example, I want to save 10% of my income. Well, if I know in the spring and summer months that I'm going to have higher expenses just to playing more golf tournaments and I need some extra cash flow somewhere in the budget, would it be appropriate to say, hey, I'm going to reduce my contributions to five percent for those two three four months yes as long as we make up for it at some other point in the year so kind of in the the winter time if we decide hey i'm gonna instead of being at ten percent i'm gonna increase it up to fifteen percent that way when we look at the big picture all 12 months we're averaging that ten percent yes i would say that's appropriate because at the end of the day the same amount of money's going into your retirement savings and we're hitting those goals however there's human error in that and I think biggest detriment that I have and I think most people have is the is the human error so whenever we introduce more of that human error to the equation the the less consistent results we're going to have and what I mean by that is once you reduce it from 10% down to 5% you have to actually go in there and make the decision and execute the decision to bump it back up to either 10% and still be behind or 15% and catch back up. So there's just more room for error. And is it a strategy that works? Yes. Is it a strategy that comes with a little bit more risk? Absolutely. So that's something you kind of have to figure out for yourself, how disciplined you are. And if you're a disciplined person, then sure, go ahead and do it. If you're somebody that is maybe not quite as as disciplined, then I would avoid it. So... Here at Family Financial Partners, we do complete financial planning. So say somebody comes in and they tell you, hey, during the summer months, I go to the lake every weekend and I spend money. Can we make out a plan for that and figure that in there so that they don't have to personally worry about that? You know, we can say, hey, here's what you can do. You'd like to do this during the summer. Is that something that we can help people with? Yeah, absolutely. So part of the financial planning process is looking at the budget or lack thereof and figuring out how do we best use the resources that we have to fill that budget. And then we'll talk about these same kind of strategies with you and figure out what works best for you. Are you somebody that needs to save $50 every paycheck to go into the the golf or the shooting or the lake fund? Or are you somebody that's better at just cutting back in different areas of their life surrounding the events? Or are you somebody that maybe doesn't have that much room in the budget and has to reduce 401ks for a temporary period of time, but are also disciplined enough to 
increase them again. So we'll have those conversations and there's not a one size fits all answer. It's all going to come down to your overall financial plan, your tendencies and how you feel about things. So can you do me a favor? Can you call my wife? Because we're redoing our kitchen and she doesn't have any idea about this financial planning thing. Uh, We're getting new floors too, but I'm letting her do it all. So maybe you can convince her that she needs to spend a little less. Well, I think my one tip, this is probably the golden tip. And if you're going to take away one thing from this podcast, when it comes to budgeting for different hobbies or just home improvements or anything that you, you want to spend extra money on, take whatever dollar amount is in your head, just add a zero to it. And I'm telling you, if you do that, you'll be much closer and probably much happier. My wife added two zeros to ours. <laughs> okay, so I can't make fun of her too much. Anyway, so now... What about people at different stages in life? Like me, I'm retired. Obviously, I'm at a different point in my life than most people, but you got people that are just starting out as far as a job with a 401k or retirement savings that help them. And then obviously people that have worked 10, 15, 20 years and are in the middle of their financial lives to where maybe they didn't save enough or whatever. And then people like me at the end. So do we work each individual person completely different here at Family Financial Partners, or is there a cookie-cutter way to do it? No, there's not a cookie-cutter way. Um, Everybody's going to be unique and individual. Now, there's tendencies uh, that we'll see. There's different strategies that I like to use for younger people that, that tend to work better for them, and then there's different strategies that I like to use for people that are either in retirement or are close to retirement. Um... But I wouldn't call them cookie cutter by any means. They're just tendencies. So, for example, the biggest thing that a young person has going for them is time. So, for them, I want to keep them investing as much as possible, as early as possible, and just kind of build that savings habit. Because I know habits are extremely important when you're young. So, if for that young person, I might tell them, hey, let's not cut the 401k contribution for, for a little bit. Let's just kind of keep that that steady because I want that savings habit to be really ingrained because that's going to be something that has exponential results in their financial plan. compounding thing is good. Yeah. On the other hand, that is in retirement. Well, obviously they're probably not saving into a 401k because they're retired, but somebody that's closer to retirement, is it more appropriate for them to, as long as they're on track with everything, to reduce savings a bit, yeah, that's probably something that fits them better. So I wouldn't definitely wouldn't call those cookie cutter, just different stages of life sometimes allow you to do different things. Well, let's wrap this thing up and give us your thoughts basically on getting started, saving, how easy it is and how you would like to see people start and be able to stick to what they're doing. Yeah, so automate, automate, automate. Take the human error out of out of your savings as much as you possibly can. So that's why the 401k is probably one of the most powerful wealth building tools is because it's something that you can set up and essentially forget about to some degree. And you don't tell people that in their financial life too often to put it in there and set something up and forget about it because you want to keep track of it. But with your 401k, once you get it started, just let it roll. Yeah, set Figure out how much you need to save as a as percentage of your income. And if it's not something that you can hit right away, figure out a, a calendar or a schedule that you can base those contributions on until you hit that point. 
and then from there, just forget it. Just let the let it go, and it takes again. It takes all the the human error out of it because you never see the money hit your account, and you never miss it. So, from a young person's point of view, if we can have 10 to 15, even 20 percent of their paycheck going into a 401k, they're going to adapt the rest of their budget to spend whatever's actually hits in their bank account. Um, and essentially, their retirement, whether they do anything else or not, is probably going to be in a Maybe not a perfect place, but it's going to be a whole lot better than if they put off saving for a couple years or were a little bit more wishy-washy with it as far as increasing contributions when they're not spending a lot of money and decreasing them when there's other things that they want to spend money on. Well, Kurt, thanks a lot. That was a lot of good information. You know, if you guys have any more questions on budgeting, how it affects your retirement, 401k, 529s, feel free to call us. Kirk is great at it. He's helped me a ton, and we appreciate you guys listening. Thanks for listening to the How to Win podcast. We hope you enjoyed the episode, and if you did, be sure to like us or follow us on your favorite podcast platform so you'll never miss an episode. If you have questions about your finances, visit our website at familyfinancialpartners.com or give us a call at 859-219-1006.